Welcome back to another episode of With Sonar. I'm Luke, joined by Tony. We've got a good episode for you. I just got back off the plane from Florida. I was at CSCMP. Great conference, by the way. I think the 63rd annual uh, time they've had CSCMP. Nice. So good showing. Good showing. About 2,700 folks there. Um, and we had, we had a good time. We had a good time. A lot of discussions around warehousing and nearshoring and reshoring a lot of conversations around that also very important by the way for folks that are watching at home stay tuned we've got a very special guest i'm gonna introduce in just a minute all right before i do i got tony i've I've, I've, um, I've got a bone to pick not with you just with conferences in general when i whenever i go to conferences 90 percent productive the content's good mm-hmm but that 10% of just buzzwords that end up everywhere, right now the buzzwords, we all know AI, whatever that means. Um, oh, digital twin, control tower. These were all big at uh, CSMP from the vendors. Interesting. Yeah. Optimization. Everybody's optimizing everything. Yeah. Whatever that means. So calm down with the buzzwords. Yeah. It's all a marketing ploy. Yeah. I, I mean, it's funny. It tells me nothing. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> optimizing supply chains. How? Yeah, the, the how is the important part, not the what does it do, how does it do it, is is everybody searching for the same answer, right? Yeah. But how All do right. you do it? Well, we've got a good guest for us today that maybe we'll talk about some of his experience in supply chain, experience in procurement. Um, so please welcome Garyon. Garyon, great to have you here today. You started your own consulting company about almost a year ago now, 21 uh, Consulting, right? Um Previously spent almost a decade in the automotive sector, doing a lot of procurement uh, and also some supply chain overlap, right? Yeah. Give us an introduction. Introduce yourself. Yeah, sure. Hey, Luke. Um, hey, Tony. Uh, thanks for having me. I So, very short. I'll keep it short. I'm originally from Germany, so if you don't understand me, I'm very sorry. hope there are subtitles or something <laughs> like that. Um, I spent five years in Mexico. I was there procurement um, for uh, VW, so the Audi plant there and the two plants that they have in Mexico, then transferred over to the United States for another five years in 2017 um, and leading North American initiatives. And then I started, okay, I uh, thought, okay, I need to do this uh, on my own. So I started as Luke just said my consulting company at the beginning of this year. Yeah. So I'm very happy to be here. Hopefully I can contribute something, you know, very intelligent guys here. So a little bit nervous. <laughs> hey, did, you, did you hear that? Intelligent yeah. guys. guys. That was plural. That, was, that includes, that includes yeah. you. That includes me. Okay. That, is, that so, the fir- is that a first? When, when, it's not about the, it's not about the number. Okay, Tony. Um, but no, also, so basically from Germany to Mexico to the great city of Chattanooga, Tennessee. That's right. That's, that's where it all happens, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, well, great to have you here. So I got a question for you, right? Mm-hmm. We've got, you know, a lot a lot of our viewers are involved in the, in the supply chain workers, right? Technology, um, participants in logistics, right? <clears throat> Shippers uh, themselves. And the automotive industry is is different. Obviously, there's the UAW strike coming on right now. We'll, we'll get to that eventually. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious, what is when... What is, it's hard to know even even to where to start, but like in your experience, right, from a procurement perspective, like what is what does procurement even mean in automotive? Like what is, when you guys are in, when you're in procurement, right, like what is, what problems are you even solving? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
I think if you are looking for one word, I would say relationship management. You're basically the window to the outside world, right? Mm. You're building relationships and it has completely switched. I think over the last couple of years, um, there has been a switch. Previously, we were talking about suppliers. Now we're talking about partners. And I think at least my preference is partners, right? <laughs> you have somebody who, if they win, you're going to win too. So um, this is what we do. There's, of course, contract negotiations, rate negotiations that are involved with this. And you also have to decide which different tasks you want to tackle. So you have to be strategic about, okay, how can we consolidate maybe a volume in for different plans and all of that. So you're basically also a project manager. Yeah. Mm. What... In your experience too, I'm curious, right? So we, we've seen a lot of changes in, in logistics and supply chain over the last decade, especially over the last few years. You know, COVID obviously threw a wrench into things, right? Are there any problems right now that exist in the market, um, particularly as it relates to procurement in general that aren't being solved today, apart from just, you know, manual tasks? So I think strategic planning is, is important, right? When you think about procurement, most of the people out there probably think, okay, you're negotiating a contract and then you're issuing a PO. But you have to strategically plan, okay, how am I going to go to the market? When am I going to go to the market? For what time am I going to negotiate fixed prices? Am I going to have indexed prices? How will I find new suppliers that actually want to work with us, right? Um, how can I make sure that they have the information that they need so that they can be successful as well, right? Because you can't just ask a partner to do something without also providing them something with so i think these are some of the topics that we can definitely all get better can you answer what's the biggest contract you've ever negotiated well i can't say specific numbers but it's close to a billion Jeez. yeah that's big number as big tom as big tom <laughs> i once negotiated an extra piece of bubble gum with uh you know tony so it was nice basically well, the same uh, thing what I flavor mean, <laughs> uh double berry okay. um Actually, so you said something that was interesting, and we were talking about this. I don't know if folks were listening to call this, but you mentioned like, how do you do pricing? And one thing you mentioned was index, right? Mm -hmm. What is, when does, just in, in general, when does it make sense to work off of, say, an index price, like an index contract versus when does it, when does it not make sense? Well, it's, nobody has a crystal ball to look into the future. So I tend to say that it's, it can always make sense to actually have index-based pricing. Um, because it protects you from things that are happening right now, strikes. It pr protects you from maybe COVID, maybe fixed costs are covered somewhere um, so that a supplier can win even though the production volume goes down. Yeah, I think it's a perfect... I mean, we've talked about it all the time, mm -hmm. right? I mean, t how transportation can be associated with that too. And it, it hasn't been a thing until recently or even a talking point and i think yeah. that's maybe some of the lag that transportation has as a whole is that it, it's slower to catch up to things like the automotive supply chain that have have come so far in a relatively short amount of time i mean when you really boil it down i mean we're talking what a 120 years from the modern assembly line to now and like yeah. all the changes that have happened in that it's relatively short when you think about human history right yeah. so i think it taking components from an industry like automotive and and implementing similar ideas into transportation 
help the automotive supply chain, but they help supply chains across the board. Yeah. Yeah. I think every time, once you close a contract, you don't want to talk about it anymore. Yeah. And that's what index-based pricing does. It protects you from these situations that nobody knows they're going to come, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Very true. Also, fun fact, talking about, you know, the history of things in transportation. Um, I'm going to derail this for just two seconds. When I was at CSCMP uh, the other day, I ran into the oldest transportation company in the world. Um, They're based out of Switzerland. And... They had been in, in continuous business. They've never not been in business. And it was their business started. I'm going to, I'm not, it was in the mid 1500s. Jeez. Good old horse and buggy. And Crazy. now they do trucks. They do, uh, they do a lot of trucking in Europe. They're really big in Europe. They do also work in North America though. Um, uh, Gerdberg Weiss, I think is how they said the name. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, but yeah, based in Switzerland, and they've got, um, uh, I mean, uh, again, almost 500 years of continuous history. The United States isn't even that old. It isn't. No, right? it is not. <laughs> <laughs> you talk about a, you talk about you know a company that's been able to to see changes. I mean, they've changed so much in technology. But I mean, that's obviously a really extreme example. But that's what it takes, right? You have to continue to innovate in order to stay in the game. Yep. Right. Business is a. Business is a, is a forever game, mm-hmm. right? It's not a finite game. Um, I want to go ahead, though, too, because we, we, we've talked a lot about volumes. I do just want to give a quick market update, okay? let's go. Can we go ahead and put the, uh, the volume chart on the screen for folks? So this is truckload volume. We've been talking about this a lot. So for folks viewing, if you haven't seen this before, this is truckload demand. Ignore the purple line. The blue line is year-to-date, as of this morning, truckload volume, number of shipments, in the United States. Okay, that's year to date. Big dips you see there are holidays. We can ignore those. The purple line is 2019. The reason why I chose 2019 is because we're throwing out COVID. COVID is is what it is. It happened. Yeah. All right. A lot of volatility during COVID, government stimulus, all the things. So obviously, we're way down from the peaks in COVID. We know that. But if you compare it to 2019 before COVID happened, we were up. We've been up and uh, pretty much above it the entire time on a pretty... On a, on a on a healthy trend. Yeah. Capacity mm-hmm. was way too high, but a healthy trend. But yeah. Tony, we just saw a 12% dip in like what, three days? What, what what happened? Yeah, so October seasonally soft. It's that's pretty normal. Uh, I mean, even look at 2019 from the beginning of October to the end of October, volume levels were down, right? They start they start recovering really mid-November, uh, leading into the peak. So combination of quite a few things uh import levels into port of la long beach saw a pretty sizable drop in mid-september those are just that drop is starting to show up in southern california volumes Mm -hmm. they're down what 15 percent in the last week you're seeing impacts from the uaw strike starting to impact you and it's not necessarily always on an outbound volume impact and and i say this looking at a market like kansas city kansas city one of the markets that's being affected outbound volumes since october 1st so just a couple days down about a percent inbound volumes into kansas city are down about 12 to 13 percent so that's all that supplier volume like parts correct things flowing into facilities the concern in those markets, and you could see it if we had rejections here, you're starting to see an uptick. 
less trucks going into a market causes capacity less available trucks in the market to cover that outbound freight, rejection rates spike. You're seeing that happen in markets like Detroit and Kansas City. Mm-hmm. UAW strike impacts are having, are, the impacts are starting to finally show up in the data. Part of that was inventory levels at the big three were elevated compared to what they need to be. I think maybe you could touch on this kind of how an auto supply chain works from an inventory perspective. Typically, they run fairly thin. I mean, what? You're talking industry average, less than two months inventory at any given time of finished vehicles. Right now, the big three were well above that across Mm -hmm. the board, but you're starting to see as this prolongs, those inventory levels, those number of days of inventory go down fairly quickly yeah yeah Yeah, for sure i I, it's difficult to say what the what the sweet spot is because there is somewhere at some point always a part that for some reason is missing right so i think you can do maybe leading up to a strike to answer your question you can do a couple of things you can do a little bit of banking right what Mm -hmm. are the most critical parts that you might need immediately once the strike is over right but also from a supplier management of course supplier management shouldn't start at that point right so you have to have that before we talked about okay, can we cover the fixed costs? Is that maybe a part of the contract? Can you do um, index-based pricing and so forth? And then also what happens behind the scenes with a UAW strike is, of course, you have to talk to your partners and somehow tell them, hey, it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Because this is not only data, right? This is also a lot of anxiety that yeah. is everywhere. And I know that the pressure is going to be sky high once we ramp up the production again. Because then all of these cars will want to be delivered to a dealer still, right? After yeah. they're being produced. I hope that answers your question. Yeah, no, it absolutely does. And I think one of the interesting things is, like you said, it it's not just the... A strike like this, while it's at the automotive manufacturers, it has the knock-on effects of the suppliers, right? Where their business basically comes to a halt, and it's not really a fault of their own, right? It it's they're they're subject to what happens with the union, uh, even if they don't have union employees. And I think that's what's difficult is you're you're basically at the mercy of what an entity that you have no say in does it's difficult no no it is right because you figure a lot of their production people making the parts are probably hourly so you know if it extends for an exterior of time you know then they their hours might most likely get cut less money in their pocket they're spending less money they buy less physical goods right yeah they go look elsewhere for jobs right there's turnover um we're also kind of it's it's an interesting time too because there's a lot of economic headwinds that we're seeing right we're beginning to see the jobs the jobs market is beginning to deteriorate not at a not at a not at a rapid pace but we've seen it i guess you could say not as maybe fruitful as it was more specifically, though, we've seen obviously student loan repayments begin. Um, the childcare payments have been reduced quite a bit. So there's quite a few head, basically, a lot of headwinds that have taken money out of people's pockets, and that all reduces physical goods, which mm-hmm. really impact our world. Um, Gary, I'm curious if you can maybe shed some light on this, right? So, when you all went 
if if there's a supplier out there, right? Talk to the supplier, whether it's a logistics provider, a trucking company who wants to move freight, a, a technology company, right? If they were to approach a, a big company, whether that's you know VW or anybody else in the auto space, or just in general, just a, a massive Fortune 500 company, mm-hmm. right? You know, they want to do business with them, yeah. Right? What is something that they should know ahead of time, right? You know, like how should like if I'm a trucking company and I want to do business with, you know, a company like VW, whether that's VW or a similar company, right? What should I know ahead of time to actually make myself stand out? Because everybody wants to do business with the big guys. Yeah, of course. I would say undercommit and overperform. Some some of my colleagues at some point said learn to crawl first and then stand up and then learn to walk, right? So in the best case, I would, if we go all the way back, okay, you don't have any contacts, go on LinkedIn, search for the company, hopefully have a conversation with somebody who actually answers and then get them on the phone for 30 minutes. What I personally would not like to see in that 30 minutes is your 200 year company history. I would like to see some use cases of what you have done for an actual customer and mm. in the best case, a testimonial, right? And then what you will probably hear is some disappointment, which will be, hey, we're going to go out for bid within the next two years. Okay, so that's a long time. Maybe there are some expedite shipments that you can handle for them in the meantime, or things change. So check in with that person, don't be too pushy, and try to get on their bidders list. So even though it might be two years, ask specific questions like, how can I be part of your bidders list? How can I be in your database? So the next time you're shipping from Detroit to Chattanooga, I am there and I'm going to be one of your suppliers that you're going to invite. That would be it in a nutshell. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it's great. It goes into that relationship management, right? Yeah. Having having the conversations. I mean, when you think about it, how obviously running procurement and, and supply chains for a global company, right? I mean, you're talking, what, the lar- it's the largest automotive manufacturer, auto manufacturer. By the way, if you can hear that on the audio, there is a... All of our phones are going off for a national test and Amber Alert, which appears to be over. So, but how, how, I mean, what are the, (laughs) the added complexities that come with, with running like the procurement process at a global company, right? I mean, we've talked to, we've talked to people at smaller, more domestic only supply chains. Mm -hmm. How does that change going international and and i mean really global uh, not even just like north america i would say you're taking slower but more thorough decisions so it might take a little bit longer for a partner to actually hear back from a bigger company and that's okay just check in after a couple of months not weeks what you would do with a smaller company but there is a lot of in there are a lot of internal discussions that are going on and that have to be had before an actual award can be made specifically i mean logistics is is expensive yeah. and it is also a bottleneck for a lot of companies right so these decisions from a strategic strand, standpoint they have to be taken very thoroughly and that makes them sometimes slow yeah, yeah. that's a good call um speaking of bottlenecks let's pull up wait times we got to look at this this is a big bottleneck here 
um, that's going on right now, and I think really specific to the uh, to the truckload market. So this is a tr- this is I guess a graph or a, a table that we've looked at in the past. We don't look at it super often, but for those that aren't familiar, this is the num this is the wait times in minutes that trucking companies are waiting at specific facilities mm-hmm. to get loaded or unloaded. So you know you've got there in the top left, you've got air freight and logistics. That's going to be like you know you're going to Delta Cargo or Southwest Cargo yep. to get loaded and unload it, which is actually a funny story how when I was trying to go to CSMP, I actually got stuck at Delta Cargo's on my way to the domestic terminal. That's uh, <laughs> that's another story. Um, and then, you know, apparel and retails, right? So if we notice there, you know, automotive right there, it says 141. That just means that right now, on average, trucks are waiting 141 minutes at the facilities to get loaded or unloaded before they can, you know, leave and do the business. Um, and the reason why it's all the way towards the right of that uh, chart there or the um, the graph um, is because it's at its 52-week high. The 52-week low we actually saw just a couple weeks ago yeah. at 91 minutes um, or an hour and a half, which is pretty good. Now we're over two hours, which is which is which is rough. Not the highest on here, right? Which would be food yeah. distributors at 164 minutes. They're starting to flirt with three hours, which is horrendous. Um, but food distributors is also a little bit more difficult because they have to check all those, you know, those SKUs and they can't send out perishable goods, um, or excuse me, goods that have already uh, spoiled. So, um, I don't know. I, what, what sticks out to you guys on this? Those are all live loads, right? Uh, I yes. believe so. Yeah. Okay. I mean, the one that sticks out to me, well, one, I think the auto manufacturers and it doesn't come as a surprise, even though we were talking about it, I think, last week or two weeks to pay attention. We called it out to look for this because, I mean, yeah. you're going to end up with a strike. You're going to end up sitting at these facilities for longer. I have, I just pulled up Detroit, and it's at its 52-week high wait mm. time. So it's at an hour, uh, 125 minutes. So, I mean, you're seeing the signs of strike impacts show up in data across the board. I think what was interesting was that there's so many different uh, verticals that are suffering from really long wait times right now. This should be, when you look at where capacity is, volume levels are right now, and the the investment people, companies have made in supply chains, you would think it would make these things more efficient. There's what, four on the list that were at 52 week highs? Yeah, at least four and a couple, and most are are or at or over half gaining toward or headed towards that. Yeah. So I mean, you're talking. I think that's the part that stands out to me is that it's not just just one. Yeah, vertical. It's not just it's not just automotive. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's mul it's multiple that are having these that are being I don't not impacted by strike, but just the efficiencies that maybe they sought to gain yeah. in the, at their facilities yeah. haven't actually come to fruition yeah i'm honestly worried about my daughter's christmas gifts right now <laughs> yeah <laughs> looking at this yeah better better learn some woodworking skills and you can carve for you know something nice <laughs> yourself um yeah it's it's different isn't it it's a it's a little bit funky yeah and i think i mean you i'm I wondering d- sorry no go ahead i mean I'm, all i was gonna say is i think you'll see some improvements uh, it's certain areas over the next few months, but I think some of that comes from slowing demand levels. We'll see. We'll see if it actually happens. But yes, 
so what can companies probably do better as a customer there, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe if we look at that chart, that's very high level. But what I would say is, okay, maybe the plans, uh, your order plans need to be changed. Talk to your partners and make a plan, maybe even involve them in the plans over the next couple of weeks. How much are we going to ship? Can you maybe have some some of your trucks on standby? We're not going to order them so that they're going to wait for almost three hours. Yeah. yeah. Pull up the automotive chart, if we can, of this. There it is. Yeah. So, yeah, it's while it's really bad now, it's at its high. Yeah. There have been there have been plenty of spikes though throughout the year. Yeah, and I wonder how much of that goes into kind of the nuances of automotive and that yeah. that just in time inventory that hey we need it now versus some weeks we need more and other weeks we don't need as much and and if it has an impact. I mean, communication is key. Yeah, yeah. I think so too. Yeah. I mean, I I agree it's it all Ultimately, it all boils down to communication. Yeah, goes back to that relationship building that you talked about earlier, uh, which is which is obviously imperative. Um, we're getting close to the end of the show, Gary. On been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. We're gonna have to have you on again because I, I want to dive in a little bit deeper to some of these things. Uh, Tony, yeah, obviously, sure. always good. Also, quick note um, for those next month. We're about a month out from uh, for F three Future Freight Festival. That'll come get your tickets online it's going to be a great event of course um with sonar we'll be there in attendance um and we'll just be diving into more market updates in the meantime have a fantastic rest of your wednesday we will see you live next wednesday 2 p.m luke and tony with sonar have a good day